1: Like you've never heard it before, the laws of life with Gary Hertzberg on cliffcentral. dot com.
2: I'm Gary Hertzberg, and this is the laws of life on cliffcentral. dot com. Sounds a bit scratchy. Alongside me today, Lionel Macocatlela. Welcome, lines.
0: Thank you very much, Gary. And you sound much better
2: today. Yeah, yeah, recovered, <laughs> lads. Oh
0: yeah, oh yeah, yeah. Um, yeah it's Tuesday, and the swaggiest legal show in the in the country is on. Again. (laughs) He's on live. Yes. Today's show is about business rescue. Well, uh, like resuscitating CPR for the business. Yeah, absolutely.
2: Oh. It's a relatively new concept in our law with wide repercussions. Mm. It is a court procedure lines to try and rehabilitate a distressed company, really. Mm. But sometimes the side effects, especially on employees, can be severe as workers don't want stories. They want to be paid.
1: (laughs)
0: Yeah. Yeah, Veronica
2: Vega with Pay Me. if you if you see the original of that it's very sexy and the swearing is terrible anyway, if anyone wants to have a look on on YouTube. Yeah. One of the questions we're going to be dealing with today is what uh, really are the effects that business rescue can have on one of the or on all employees a question that has been posted over and over on Legal Talk South Africa on their Facebook page by some of their 193,000 members. Wow. So many people want to know, a business goes into business rescue, how do I get paid? Certainly. We're going to deal with that, Lyons.
0: It's a very serious uh, topic to really talk about given the uh, economical cycle that we find ourselves in. Mm. Everything is going up, but there's no business coming in.
2: Another frequently asked question is, and here it goes in business rescue where does the tax man rank in order of preference does the government have the first right to take what we make
0: the government takes everything we make to
2: pay for all of their solutions healthcare climate change pollution throw away the constitution the government
1: dishes, soon we'll have to eat our dishes, and it so
2: good
0: cause the government says I should, yeah baby, uh,
2: it's kind of cute that isn't that? it guys, is. nice. um, so do you know the original of that, no. this is a parody of something, no, Yeah, no. I think it's from who knows, Caitlin, no? Idea. Is it Willy Wonka uh, Chocolate Factory? No? Oh, Something like yeah. Maybe wrong. Yeah. May wrong. The government takes everything we make by Tim Hawkins. Oh, great. Lovely, isn't it? Yeah. He yeah. has 7 million views on YouTube. Always fascinates me, these things. Joining us in the studio today is specialist business rescue practitioner. His name is Adrian Smuts of Business Rescue Exchange, and he's accompanied by junior partner Caitlin Gottschalk. Welcome to you both. Thank you very much Good Our Facebook uh, page lines The Laws of Life with Gary Hertzberg Uh, Have a look
0: And you can also touch base with us on uh, Twitter At uh, Hetz Law (laughs) Why did I stumble? I wonder Uh, H-E-R-T-Z-L-A-W That's where you can actually send us a message Of any topics that you'd like us to talk about And you can just give us a like Or if you feel that we can actually improve on something Tell us We'd love to hear your comments
2: Let's uh, introduce our guests in more detail. Mm-hmm. Firstly, Adrian Smuts is a chartered accountant, CASA. And if that's not enough, Lyons, mm-hmm. he's also an LLB advocate of the High Court of South Africa. He's the same. He's, he's got a double, yeah. yeah. And he's also a Marty's mm-hmm. uh, Stellenbosch boy, I think so. Yeah, uh, definitely. Yeah. And that's
3: yeah. part of the reason why I stayed so long down there, you know. Oh. It's too good to leave.
2: Well. Oh. <laughs> I like him. <Yeah>. <laughs> yeah, I think he. Were you taught by uh, the boys of the Stellenbosch Mafia down the there? The Mafia. Bill- the yeah. nearby fears. Exactly. I'm not a dwelling <laughs> at the moment. Adrian's been uh, in the field of business uh, rescue mm-hmm. uh, as a practitioner for quite a few years now and he's been involved in more than 30 turnaround projects. Wow. He's going to tell us some of them so that we get a better idea of how yeah. it works.
0: Because no, I've always been fascinated by the work that they do. What is it that they do? They just yeah. admin or what? Uh, yeah, you'll we'll you'll find out it's yeah. not
2: quite admin. Alongside him is Caitlin Gottschalk. She's an LLB and she's about to be admitted as an attorney in a few weeks, I think.
1: That is correct. 6th mm. of September. I'm joining oh. the legal fraternity. Oh, oh
2: bravo. Well
0: eventually. done.
2: And uh, she didn't have her hair done for the occasion <laughs> for today. I asked her. Anyway, we're not going to make a fool of it. When a company or closed corporation is in financial distress yes. lines, that's when it can apply to court to be placed in business rescue. Mm. And uh, that's what we really want to talk about today. In the old, I mean, this is a relatively new concept, about 10 years old, business rescue, I think, with the 200. Yeah, the 2008 the new, companies. Have. Yeah,
3: and it's only been in effect since 2011. So it's um, you know only about seven years that it's actually been been in operation.
2: Okay, so let's do uh, let's do it practically. Um, in the old days, before before this, if a company was in trouble, would kind of go into liquidation. Liquidator comes in, takes all the assets, sells everything, chucks everyone out, and takes over the company. Now we have this concept called business rescue. We had something called judicial management in the old days, but we won't go there. What is this judicial management? What really – how does it work? Business rescue. I mean business rescue. Yeah.
3: Okay. So, so business rescue is a, is a regime that's been designed by the legislature to try and salvage companies that are in financial distress with the main purpose of um, securing and maintaining employment opportunities. Um, and it, and it differs quite substantially from liquidation in the sense that you can voluntarily begin business rescue proceedings as well by director's resolution. Um, simple by having a resolution, filing that with CIPC, you can commence with business rescue proceedings. So you don't necessarily have to go via the court process. Um, and that makes it a lot more accessible, I think, to, to the general business.
2: What really is the aim? What's the ultimate aim of business rescue?
3: It's to assist companies that are in financial distress to get back on their feet, to make sure that uh, employment opportunities are protected, to guard against the destruction of value that's usually associated with liquidation, um, and to stimulate the economy. It's to help grow the South African economy.
2: Mm. Okay, so companies in financial trouble, instead of going into liquidation, it um, it brings in a business. Re- it applies to court, and it's then placed. Is it called in business under it's, business? Yeah, it's called in business in rescue. Business? So you yeah. can
3: you, there's there's two ways that you can that you can commence with business rescue proceedings. One is as I say by a directors resolution that you file with the with the Companies and Intellectual Property Commission. The act of filing that resolution with with the CIPC initiates business rescue proceedings. So it's as easy as that. Mm. Um, the other alternative is shareholders, um, employees, or employee representatives and or creditors can ask the court. You know, listen, court, this company appears to be financially distressed. It looks like it can be saved. Please put it into business rescue on our behalf because we don't have insight into the internal workings and the internal financial statements of the company.
2: Now the person that comes in as the practitioner, the business rescue practitioner is a very important cog in this whole wheel. You one of them. Yes. How do you get nominated and how do you get voted in?
3: If it's a, if it's through the voluntary process by a director's resolution, the di- directors will also resolve to have you appointed and that decision is then also filed with the, with the CIPC and then you are appointed. Um, mm. affected persons being creditors, employees and shareholders to remove you then can apply to court. Um, but that's easy, as easy as that to get appointed is by the director's resolution if you go the voluntary route. If you go the application route, The applicant will then nominate a a practitioner to say, hi, we want Mr. X, please appoint him. The court will make an interim appointment, and then at the first meeting of creditors, the creditors have to, by majority vote, then confirm that appointment. So they have, to a certain extent, a say in who the practitioner is.
2: Okay. um, How do the employees, the most important part of everything is an employee, how does he get told?
3: The Act specifies notice that has to be given to all affected persons, and that's that three groups of people, shareholders, creditors, and employees. They have to be given notice in, in a specified manner of, one, the business rescue proceedings, and of, two, who the business rescue practitioner is. Mm. And then there are certain statutory meetings that they have to get notice of as well. So, for instance, uh, notice will have to be served on the head office of the trade union they belong to. It has to go up on the notice board at the, their place of work. It has to go on, on the website of the company. So they have a number of, of opportunities of getting notice, but really, it's down to the company and the practitioner to make sure that the, that the employees and the employee representatives actually get notice of of the proceedings.
2: Do the employees have an opportunity for, of of opposing this? Can they say, well, we we don't believe that this is fair. It's a scam. Yes. Yeah?
3: Yes. So specifically with regards to the the voluntary voluntary filing for business rescue, affected persons being one of the the employees may approach a court to say, hi court, you know this company is not financially distressed um, or it cannot be saved and please take it out of rescue and either liquidate it or take it out of rescue because I think this is a scam. It's contrary to our interests to have to go through this whole rescue process. But, I mean, the court has a discretion to do that. It would have to, though, consider the rights of employees and their interests in making that order because it would be quite – a controversial order to make to take a company out of business rescue just on the whim of of someone saying it's a scam or something you have to have substan substantive um, information to the contrary
1: i think yeah, I think basically. I can also just add in on there throughout the process. there can be an employee committee which the employees can choose to elect there's also various meetings where the BRP will always engage with the employees and if the BRP is not engaging it's uh, the employee committee may stand up and say you're not performing your functions. BRP
2: is the business rescue practitioner. Sorry, correct. Correct. Cool. We have a question from Inna of uh, Legal Talk. She says, how are permanent employees affected when the company they work for is placed under business rescue? And Natalie says, um, even though – the company is under business rescue. They promised us that uh, we would be paid our salaries okay. what 's How does it work All right
3: so you know the problem lies in the timing of going into business rescue so the later the company awaits, the less cash there is, and the more difficult it is to pay you know critical things like salaries you know without without paying salaries you don 't have the support of your workforce and you don 't have a rescue so that 's something that practitioners really have to keep in mind um legally though. Business rescue has no effect on your employment contract. It carries on as normal um, until... Negotiated otherwise between the practitioner and the employees in terms of the applicable labour legislation. So there's no automatic effect on your employment as an employee um, by the fact of going into business rescue proceedings. So, sorry. sorry, Kate. Just the 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 problem being is, does the practitioner actually physically have the cash to pay at the end of the month? That is the question, mm. and the um, animosity between employees and practitioners comes from the fact that the practitioner is not open about the facts of the case you know he's not paying but he doesn't tell them guys listen I'm not paying because we don't have the cash I'm trying to raise a loan or whatever the case might be he's not open in his discussion with the employees and that sometimes creates the the distrust
2: give us some examples Caitlin you've you've been in matters where the employees involved tell us the facts and, and how you dealt with it
1: so often what happens is when we have the employee meetings which is where we present that the business is going into business rescue, Mm. you often have employees standing up. You're normally dealing, all the employees meet together, so you're dealing with sometimes 300 people at once. They Mm. will stand up and say, you know, they already haven't been paid for two or three weeks before even entering the business rescue process. And what it comes down to is, one, making your concerns known, and two, also understanding that if the BRP is able to pay you he will. There's no question of that. But we sit in a situation most of the time where there's simply no cash flow to do so. And in that instance, the best suggestion I can give is engaging with the BRP to give letters of separation or retrenchment packages. And then you're able to claim from UIF. And then at least you're getting some sort of income until the company is able to pay you and reinstate your contract.
3: Yeah, just to get mm. back to the to the yeah, act itself. Yeah, take that further. Yeah, I'm yeah. interested in this. The, yeah. the act itself says there's a payment preference in business rescue. So, firstly, is the practitioner and the costs of business rescue, which makes mm-hmm. sense mm-hmm. because you know the guy's there to to turn the to turn the business around, and he needs legal advice and tax advice and all those things. But second in line is employees for mm-hmm. for remuneration during business rescue proceedings. But, but as I, as I and, and Kate said. Um, the problem is that they've waited too long, there is no cash to pay, and that creates the problem. And that, we'll get back, I suppose, to that a little bit later on when you need to start looking at going into business rescue proceedings. And, you know, in, in, in our advice, or in our opinion, it would be the earlier the better, because then you avoid those situations. And, you know, the moment you don't pay your employees, they lose confidence in the process, uh, they are misinformed often, and, and it creates mistrust, and they don't know where to go, they don't know where to turn.
2: On, on most of these cases that you deal with, these are people that are trying to sell, save the company, is that right? Correct, yeah. W- what are they doing to try and save the company? What difference does the, 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 the business rescue mean to the company?
3: Okay, so you know from our experience there are a number of things that cause a company to have to go into business rescue and um the most prevalent one being that you know it's a it's a small business that's grown over the num- over years mm. and the the owner or the the manager he's become caught up in running the business he's not focusing on on what made it a good business in the beginning for instance Delivering the great product or the great service that he's good at. That he's built his business around. He's migrated out of the actual service provider or the guy making the product or overseeing the product to managing the business. And often he does not have the necessary training and, and skill to actually manage and operate a business of that size. And that's where the disparity comes. He's good at providing the product or the service but not necessarily managing the business. Um, and that's where the, the problem comes in. And that's where you know he needs help. From people that have experience in running businesses, that understand business principles, and that will allow him to refocus his attention on doing what he does well, and letting someone else with the necessary uh, knowledge and skill hone the business itself—you know, the the actual financial part of the business—and um, that will make all the difference in the end.
2: Line, do you want to ask something? Yeah, and
0: yeah. uh, I've got a question here uh, with regard to the creditors. Let's say that you are going through the whole process and you haven't been paying your creditors and your your supply is actually critical to mm. your uh, credit rescue. Given the fact that you haven't been paying them and there's always that whole process that you need to follow, how do you then negotiate through that or navigate through the whole negotiation process between creditors yeah. just so that at least you are still floating? So
3: that is So That is one of the most... Important challenges that a that a business rescue practitioner can face is you know there's no obligation on a supplier to keep supplying you in a business rescue case if you haven't been paying him you know he just says sorry I can't supply because you haven't been paying my account and I mean he's it's within his rights to do it and the the difficult part comes in convincing that guy you know carry on supply on the normal terms and conditions make that credit or extend that credit to us so that we can apply it in this way this is how we're going to cut costs and we'll pay your we'll pay your account. At the end of the day
1: and let, let yeah, go ahead and I yeah. also think that um, something that is sometimes forgotten is that engagement with the creditors creditors are there to also save the business if every business they dealt with went under and they didn't support them they wouldn't have customers what i'm trying to what I'm trying to understand
2: it's not really me a lot of people question this whole procedure and they say that um, if 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 the directors were going to put more money in, or they were looking to get loans, they could understand it. But here, they're stopping the business. They're not paying the the employees. They're not paying the creditors. So what are they? What are they really doing? You know, where's where's the advantage?
3: Yeah. So you know, it comes back down to when do you start business rescue proceedings, and mm. you know, we'll talk about the success of business rescue a little bit later, but. Yes, when you wait so long that the cash is com- depleted, your security is depleted, there is very little that a business rescue practitioner can do. Um, but one of the things that he can do is go to the creditors to say, guys, look, I've, there's nothing left in this business. The only way that we're going to turn this around is with your support. So it's up to you whether you support me, carry on supplying me. Look, I'm here now. We'll cut the expenses down to the bare minimum. We'll make sure X, Y, and Z happens. And that's his job as if you want to use the term, a salesperson to Hmm. work through his proposed plan, put it to the creditors and say, listen, guys, this is how I think we can make this work. And it's up to you to decide whether you want to go ahead or not.
1: I also think it is important to note that during the business (laughs) rescue process, just because it started does not exclude the directors putting more money in or shareholders making loans. All those can be part of the rescue process and often are. But most times when you're dealing with the business and rescue the owners in inverted commas of the company have done everything possible to not enter the rescue scenario and most of the time that means they have made extensive loans already
3: <laughs> yeah, just if I can sorry Lionel to, just to add on what Kate has said um, they've done that they've let's say the business is is 10 years old or so They've, they've paid off the facility where they're operating from and now the financial distress has sort of got them in a in a bit of a spot of bother they inevitably go to the bank they say to the bank please loan against the building so we can reinvest this into the business they do that but without fixing the problems in the business so i mean they've thrown more money at it without fixing what is wrong with it and then when that's process has seen itself through then they only realize oh my goodness you know this hasn't worked we need to turn to someone else for help they look to rescue and that's where the problem (coughs) is by the time it gets to you as a practitioner there's no cash they've um, exhausted all the options of further security and they've even put money in themselves and they have nothing more to put in and that's where you have to start asking yourself how are we going to rescue this business um and that you know, there's a there's a duty on a practitioner to make that call. Can this business be saved under these circumstances, or must we rather just close up?
2: And how does it? SARS look at this? What do they do?
1: <laughs> the the age-old question yeah. of SARS. <laughs> I mean, <Yeah. clears throat> what do they do with the unpaid?
2: Vat that possibly, yeah, and,
3: uh, yeah, well, that When when you get to a, a business in financial distress, in inevitably there's VAT liability and pay as you earn liability, and you know they are they are different although they are similar. Um, there is recent case law that says that SARS takes on the not the role, but he SARS's claim ranks as an unsecured creditor, concurrent unsecured creditor, along with all the other unsecured creditors in a business rescue and that differs from a liquidation where SARS is a preferent creditor. Mm. So if you had to go through the waterfall just before the last ranking, that's where SARS falls in in a rescue scenario and in a liquidation scenario, it gets one up on the ordinary unsecured creditors. Mm. Um And yeah, SARS mm. is... They were quite unhappy about that yeah I'm and
1: sure so they they sit they've got to sit like any other creditor, and they hope do. to get something out of that right. yeah. and also just to go back to one of our original questions, employees rank above SARS, and that that's an important thing to note in the business rescue process opposed to liquidation
0: so in during the process of the um hope i mean the rescue, is it possible that some people can actually lose their jobs because you now need to turn around so it might mean you might. Cut off the fat. So sometimes
1: I mean It depends on business to business That is the thing with business rescue It's completely You have to look at the facts Of that specific case And sometimes What you Look Could take a very good Parastatal as an example There's too many employees They are Burdening the company Rather than Increasing its value Or adding to the company at all So yes Of course There are instances Where people will lose their jobs However, the one of the main goals is to keep jobs. So it's, you ha- it's a way that you have to do against each other. Will it save the business to remove X amount of employees or will we save X amount of jobs? It's a big question.
2: Yeah. Isn't the question… If you want to reduce your staff, should you go into
1: business rescue? No. Is it easier? No, because you're doing it for, I believe, the wrong reasons in that instance. Well, it
3: depends. Um, You can't just, you know, rescue doesn't give you an automatic right to reduce your staff. You still Mm. have to follow the the Labor Relations Act and all applicable labor legislation. But assuming
2: you don't have the money to to pay the retrenchments, so uh, you've got 200 people, you retrench 100, how do you pay them?
3: Well, that's, let's say you look at it outside of a, of a business rescue scenario. Mm. Yes, the moment you retrench, you need to pay retrenchment packages. Mm. And if that causes you financial distress, then you'll have to go into business rescue in any event. Mm. So you might as well consider where your business is at present, mm. um, taking to in, into consideration that retrenchments are a possibility, go through the rescue process, negotiate with the employees to sell, to tell them, look guys, if we have to pay these retrenchments once off, The whole 200 people lose their jobs. If we do it through the rescue process and we have to retrench 100 and the, the retrenchment payments come up and we pay them over time, we'll save 100 jobs possibly consolidate the business and then grow again hopefully in the near future to take back those jobs that had to be shared at that at that point in time
2: how long does it normally take for a company to remain in business rescue and you know, what happens eventually
3: how long is a piece of string yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it it really depends on the reasons for financial distress um talk
2: to us about stutterfords i know they were do you know much about that
3: Man, not as much as I would like to, but, but they were in business rescue, they were, weren't they? Yes. For how
2: long, roughly, would you know? Look, no, I, oh, I wouldn't okay. know, but it oh. it
3: does it does depend on the facts of the case, and it depends on what the problems are and what the solutions are that have been proposed and accepted by creditors. I mean, some can be easy solutions. Let's let's take a, a retail chain store, for instance. If you close down a number of outlets, that can be done in a number of months. And if that sorts out your cash flow problems, you can be out of rescue in a number of months. But if let's say it's a, it's a mining group. I mean, there's a lot of work that has to go into that. And you could presumably look at not months but even years to a certain extent. It all depends on what the objectives are of that specific turnaround. What do you want to achieve going through this process? Right. And that will dictate to you how long you should stay in rescue.
2: You've been involved in a number of matters, as I said earlier. Give us some examples of of cases you've been involved in one or two mm. if you can okay yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah. so yeah. yeah we've been involved in a number um we have dealt with rather large companies where you know you have 300 plus employees that's exceptionally difficult to deal with because mm-hmm. as adrian was explaining earlier it's the risk of a 300 jobs opposed to Letting go 100 people mm. And those kind of scenarios are very very Difficult ah. to to work with As well as the other thing that we See in our um, Job is that working With creditors especially the smaller guys mm. They're uneducated As to what their rights are mm. They come to the meetings Not knowing what they can assert And often If they, their debtor Doesn't pay them they will soon be in business rescue. And that's, that's something we have to deal with every day. And it's a, you know, for us, it's a a hard situation and we are always very aware of the human element and always try our best to get the best for the actual human being, not just the business. Um, I think the stuff that we see mostly with our, our matters is that they come to us too late. Mm -hmm. And then we sit with 300 employees, even though we're in the rescue process the chances of success are not great enough and then it will end in a liquidation. And that's obviously what we are always trying to avoid. How many business
2: rescues that you've been involved in have gone from business rescue to liquidation? (laughs) The the overwhelming majority? I
1: would say the overwhelming majority, but I want to put a caveat on that. Mm. And that always comes down to when you approach someone for help. Mm. Because like we were saying earlier, when the directors or the shareholders or The bank has put so much money into the business, but they have not solved the primary issue of why there there is financial distress. It doesn't help to keep putting money in it. Mm. And that's when you end in a liquidation scenario because there now is no more money to keep it afloat and the primary issues have not been addressed. And that's what we come to. Before you put your money into the situation, look at yourself and think, why do I need to put money in? What is the problem and how do I actually fix that problem? Because mm. money is not always the answer. Okay. What happens to
2: the directors in during business rescue?
3: That's a, it's an interesting one. Um, when the practitioner is appointed, he takes on the role of CEO. He takes full management control of the company instead of the board, mm. and then he can delegate cer- certain tasks back to them. Um, so why I say that's an interesting scenario is let's say it's a voluntary business rescue. You've met with the directors. They resolve to go into business rescue and they appoint you as the business rescue practitioner. So day one, everything is fine until you start doing your investigations and you want to cut costs here and there and it's a family business and everyone's working there and the salaries are in excess of what market-related salaries for those positions would be. And when you start, you know fiddling with those things which are necessary to save the business then you often get resistance from the guys who appointed you but you must remember as a practitioner you don't work for the directors you don't work necessarily just for the company you work for the entire body of stakeholders creditors shareholders directors the company itself employees your job is a balancing act between the rights and interests of all these relevant parties mm-hmm. um to make the business successful again so that all these parties can benefit again mm-hmm. and that's that balancing of the rights and interests that very few practitioners really get around to to doing accurately you know and and it's not so much doing that objectively as to look like you're doing it objectively as well so you can't be seem to seem to be favoring one group above the others that creates mistrust from the one group and and so your your rescue becomes at risk
2: who do you report to
3: the creditors predominantly, but mm-hmm. the employees and the shareholders and also. CRPC, yeah, well, at,
2: of course. Yeah, yeah. okay. <laughs> the directors remain if they want to. Yes, uh, but they lose their signing power. So I Did would you? like to go yeah. in here. Okay. So <laughs>
1: the directors still are fully responsible for all actions that they've taken with the business as well as going forward. They are still respo- They still have fiduciary duties, and mm. um, those are in the act and they can't avoid those. So business rescue is not by any means a get out of jail free card for directors. That is not the scenario. They they are still accountable and they still have to answer to their employees and most directors will still be actively involved in the running of the business but answer to the BRP and follow his instructions. I guess
2: it depends who brought the liquidation, yeah. the, the business yes. rescue, whether it was done by the, the company itself or by a body of creditors. But, or a creditor. but irrespective, yeah.
3: the, the BRP takes over management control. Ooh, yeah. he, he has the last say. The directors lose their right, if you want to call it that, to – bind the company to contracts and that sort of thing. The practitioner has the last say and they they report to him and he makes the final decision. But what doesn't, sorry, yeah, doesn't, sorry, doesn't
0: yeah. that run, don't you run the risk of actually finding yourself in a conflict of interest because here are the people who actually put their company in the financial distress, still working in the company, yet they also come on a daily basis. They um, still do the duties assisting you whilst you are still trying to really figure um, out. very glad yeah. you asked that. Yeah, yeah.
3: You know, it's like, uh, on a on a ship if you have poor sailors and you make them all walk the plank at one time your ship's going to stand still. So even though it might be the case that the directors may not have done their job as good as you would have done it objectively, you can't just get rid of them all on day one. You need to go through the process, make sure each one is doing his job well, maybe do the training if that's necessary. But that is a perception from the creditors that they say, but look, the directors are the guys that broke this thing. Get rid of them and appoint new ones. But, I mean, it's it's not as easy as that. Where do you find... In such a short time span, where do you find that level of expertise? The best would be take on those responsibilities as practitioners, set up the necessary systems and controls to make sure that they don't act without your, um,
1: authority, authority
3: or, or, or say so. Um, and then manage that process from there, grow them from there, train them, teach them. Um, because often, yes, they in inverted commas did break the business by not doing certain things. It's very, Seldom that they did something that broke it it 's rather that they didn 't do something they didn 't react fast enough to the market they didn 't keep abreast of new developments they didn 't do this they didn 't do that so it 's not that you can really point your finger at one specific instance okay, that was the, That was the final thing that they did it so it 's a, it's a difficult situation to be in
2: Mohammed on legal talk South Africa he wants to know can a company be sued during business rescue assuming
1: you 're a creditor and you desperate for your money, can you sue? So the simple answer is no. Um, there's a general monitorium on all legal proceedings during business rescue, and that means that no legal enforcement action or any legal action can be instituted against the business. So that basically gives the business some breathing time. You know, they're not having hundreds of summons issued on them they're not having to expend massive legal costs mm. but the baseline answer is no there are exceptions within that one of those instances maybe it's a good time to talk about it is the landlords landlords are a difficult situation in business rescue they normally are the ones who suffer the most because the people are the company is already in the premises so now they decide they're no longer going to pay your rent because it cannot but they still are using your building. Yes. You're now stuck there. There's been a lot of case law recently dealing with this question of may you evict the the um, company and business rescue. What it's come down to is that as long as you are lawfully in possession of the, bu- of the building, which means that your rental agreement essentially still exists, they may not eject you. And that's because they would be infringing on the general mo- monitorium. So
2: hold on a second. Mm. If you don't pay, they'll cancel the lease. Then the lease is not in existence but, and they can
1: sue you. But remember... And, re- and, ev- and evict you? If, if you have cancelled the lease. So what mm. most most likely will happen mm. is the BRP at the beginning of the rescue process... Will make sure the rent is paid. No. <laughs> the opposite. Yeah. Oh, really? Will suspend the obligations of the company. That's the wow. same as with your employment contracts they're not going they're going to suspend the obligations of the company to perform which is normally payment in that instance your agreement you cannot cancel it now you you don't have the right to do so mm-hmm. and in that instance you are still a lawful possessor okay yeah, so, so that makes words, it difficult. Y- yeah, you know? it makes it difficult for the landlord, for the landlord.
3: Yeah. and for, and for other, you know, like guys who, who give or who finance your fleet, all those vehicles. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you absolutely. go into business rescue, the practitioner suspends the obligation to pay. And mm-hmm. the only right you have against that is a claim for damages. I mean, that doesn't leave you with much.
2: So you know? the company carries on using the trucks that on, on, stores, that on mm-hmm. HP, we call yes, it with the yeah, banks. Sure. And they continue using the premises. That's true. And they carry on regardless. The only Big, big cost to them is yo yo fuya. Mm, yeah. Okay. So everyone wants to know what is what is the, what do you charge <laughs> yeah. to do all this?
3: Okay, that's a that's a nice question. Um, it's not as as nice for us as you would think. So the the Companies Act does specify hourly tariffs for the remuneration of business rescue practitioners, and it classifies them into small, medium, and large companies. And th- those sizes are, are calculated on what they call a public interest score. But um for a for a small company it's a thousand two hundred and fifty Rand an hour, for a medium one a thousand five hundred, and for a large company two thousand rand an hour. This is all VAT inclusive. So if you look at, at the two thousand, that's about a thousand six hundred excluding VAT, which considering the skills and the experience that the practitioner usually has, it's quite a quite a discounted rate to what you would get In in the market, yeah, yeah, outside of a rescue. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, is
2: is that is that money paid out of the bank account as a first charge? Well, so you write yourself a check as you you walk in.
3: Well, you do write yourself a check, but you know it's all accountable to the creditors and to the company itself. Who signs
2: the check? The directors.
3: That is good practice. Mm. To. Submit your account to them, take them through your your billing statement you know we We encourage everyone to do you know keep itemized. accurate itemized mm-hmm. and time sheets of of their time spent because that that shows that you 've done the work you can 't for instance, just bill eighteen hours today or something without actually going through what oh. you did today mm-hmm. you know that 's important because people need to trust in the process and the moment because the fees do add up at the end of the day because it 's a big job but if you engage with creditors and all the affected persons and you go through your account what you did you keep them informed then then the amount seems plausible to them at the end of the day um so that's the one part on on the remuneration the act specifies these hourly tariffs then it allows you to also negotiate with the company further remuneration like um achieving certain targets or, or meeting certain goals or whatever, that you can agree with the company. Um, you then have to have that agreement um, disclosed to the creditors and they have to vote on that by majority that they're happy with that extra remuneration. So let's say, for instance, um, you, the company has a hundred million rands worth of debt and you get it paid back in certain um, tranches as you set out in the business rescue plan. And every time you reach a goal, the Company pays you ten thousand or whatever as a as an incentive or as a um, bonus for achieving those goals. That has to be disclosed to the creditors. I mean, ten
2: thousand is fine. No one, yeah, sure, <laughs> no one will mind. No one will mind.
3: No, it isn't. But I mean, the the whole thing about a rescue and the whole process is that practitioner must act reasonably, and it's because. Some don't, that you get this animosity and this mistrust of the process. The the more open you are about what you do, what your billings are, what you've spent your time on, share the information with the affected parties. They feel included in the process and they are more comfortable with it.
0: So I just wanted to find out, because this really sounds very complex. Do you come alone or do you come with a team of people to actually help you, like the likes of change management consultant to really announce that getting people's mindsets in the right way to simply say there is change going to be taking place don't stress and this and that do you have like other people who actually assist you with regard to finances consultant yeah, that's a, that's a yeah. good question uh, um, sorry
2: on that lines hmm. our particular guest is a lawyer and an accountant he's a CA and an LLB oh. so you don't need financial people <laughs> but the average BRP is maybe a lawyer. Maybe a lawyer or he, an accountant. He yeah. Bring, yeah, they bring in one or yeah. the other. Yeah? So
3: it comes back to, you know, the creditors and whatnot. If you walk in there and you do everything on your own, yes, it'll be less because the fees are less than, than the other professionals would be outside of a rescue. So. In that sense, you, you can go and say as a practitioner, look guys, I've done this and that and the next thing until the thing falls over. Then the Mm. question comes, but why didn't you use a specialist? You know, they were happy to, that you do the job at your reduced rate. But when something goes wrong, they ask you, why didn't you use a specialist? But when you start off and you bring a specialist on board, everyone shouts and screams about the fees that those people charge. So it's a, Mm. it's a balancing Balancing act. act. And Mm. that I think is the, is the core, um, Job of a business rescue practitioner is this balancing act, never mind of the of the rights and interests of all the affected parties, but he must take on the role as a project manager for this turnaround have the um, what is the word insight to bring professionals on board when necessary and not do when it 's not necessary. do what he must and not, but he must not bog himself down um, getting into the trenches, so to speak, and then not be able to. Delegate to the various professionals to actually get the job done. Here's
2: a, here's a nice question from someone: Can uh, can a director be sued on his surety during business rescue?
1: Yes, he yes. can be. Yeah. Simple as that. So, yeah. I actually, funny that you asked this because I dealt with this question this morning. Mm. The case law seems to say that if there is a business rescue plan that has been published, and within that plan, it states full and final settlement. As well as in the surety, it does not make provision to still act against the surety even when there's been a compromise, then you cannot act against the director. Mm -hmm. If neither of those provisions exist... You may always act against you the… You've got to look at your surety very carefully. Very
2: yeah, carefully. You've got to be drafted carefully as well.
3: The bottom line is that the fact that the business goes into business rescue doesn't necessarily absolve the surety from his liability. That's mm. the long yeah. and the short.
2: It doesn't
1: yeah. extinguish the principal debt. I think there was an Investec case a few years ago. That's, that's, the, that's, that's it. it. Yeah, that's one.
2: Okay. Does, <clears throat> does the process work? Is this a workable process?
3: Um, My short answer is yes, definitely, not just yes, but it all depends. There's a a number of of Variables. variables, and the most important being early intervention. Like we said earlier, the earlier you go, the more security is still available. It hasn't all been spent. Creditors are still willing to support you. Employees are still amped to do the work. They don't have mistrust in what's going on. Um, it just makes your life as a practitioner so much easier when you have all these opportunities rather than people who are fighting to entrench their rights and recover their losses. So yes, I do think it works and I think it's a brilliant process. Uh, it just needs to be managed well.
2: Hmm. You cool, Lance? I,
0: I, Well, I've got questions. Go ahead. Go <laughs> no, ahead yeah. I just want, you know, the the process just sounds so complex. Do you want to tell me that... Every industry that you go into, would they be looking for a specific person with a skill set for that specific industry or anybody who's qualified as a business rescue can actually do the
3: job? Men, no. I would say that, you know, the bottom line being that a guy needs business sense, okay? okay. He needs to have some understanding of the law, some understanding of accounting, but, and some understanding of business. If you have those three together, mm-hmm. you are pretty much, you know, cut out to be a, a good business rescue practitioner. Having said that, don't tackle things that you are not a specialist at. So let's say it's an engineering business and you have specialist engineering work. Let an engineer come on board. Do what needs to be done and get out. Don't you try and advise there on the engineering side of the work. Focus on the business. And, you know, often practitioners do cross that line in actually trying to go into Areas of expertise where they don't necessarily have the correct training or, or experience in rather than getting someone on board because that's your job. Your job is to fix the business, not yourself with your own hands. Get the guys in that can do the job and manage the whole process. And that's often what, what practitioners miss, um, when they take on a specific
2: project. The, the most important here, (coughs) excuse me, during the uh, business rescue, can you offer creditors so much in the rand and do they take it?
3: Yes. Look, the, the business rescue provisions in the act ask of a business rescue plan to weigh up to creditors what they would get if the business was liquidated now mm. versus what you are offering them in, in the rescue scenario. So inevitably, and that's why I say early intervention is so important, inevitably when you do the calculation, they've spent all the, all the cash, all the security has gone and your, your prospect of getting something out as an unsecured creditor is very close to zero cents in the rand. Mm. And then when you offer them 10 cents or 15 cents or whatever the case might be in a rescue, what other option do they have, you know, rather other than to take it? It all comes down to what is reasonable, what can be expected and what is achievable. So yes, you, you can negotiate a compromise. You can even go too fast to say, okay, I'll pay everyone. Hundred cents in the end, but it'll be over a period of twelve or twenty-four, thirty-six months, or whatever mm-hmm. the case might be, as the cash flow allows. And then you can also negotiate with creditors on a on a single or one-on-one basis. A guy might say, "Well, man, if you pay me fifty cents now, I'm out," mm-hmm. or twenty-five cents. So, I mean, the the whole process of rescue is flexible, which makes it adaptable to each and every unique business. That what <clears throat> makes it so central. Nice. Can
2: someone come to you for a consultation for you to determine? Just from the consultation, whether there's a chance of yes. success down the line?
3: So- how our business approaches is, is we very much focus on that initial assessment. Is mm. this business something that can qualify for business rescue? And mm. if it's not, we tell the directors. How long does that
2: this. take for you to make that assessment?
3: Well, it's usually relatively quick. Um, mm. You know, a couple of hours just to check some certain key aspects. But mm. you know, th- there are there are things that that will point you in a direction. You know, rather move away. This thing has had it, or let's ask for more information, get involved, dig into it. You know, we want to. We want to make a success of a turnaround, and if it's not savable, we will tell the company or the director. What is
2: the disadvantage of a director coming uh, going for business rescue?
3: Very little. Um, there's a, there's may,
2: a there may not be an advantage, but there's very little disadvantage. There's
3: very little disadvantage. That's the thing, and the the big advantage in my mind would be, you know, the, the companies act. Uh, prohibits companies trading under insolvent circumstances, mm. so if you 're on a on a board of directors and you see the writings on the wall and you do nothing about it, there is a risk of personal liability for you as director for the debts of the company because you didn 't do your job by taking the necessary steps when when the company was experiencing the financial distress so there 's very little risk for you for going for business rescue as a as a director. And the, the main thing what we find is why people don't look at that route early enough is pride. No one wants to say, you know, I've, I'm running in a bit of a, a spot of bother here with my business. <laughs> I mean, it's a difficult thing to say. Yeah. Mm. Um, never mind around the bride; It's a difficult thing to say to strangers. You know, I've made a mistake or something has happened in my business need that help? I don't have control about. Yeah, I need help. It's a, it's a pride thing. And, mm. But, I mean, it shouldn't be. It's your... Your, your business, someone said the other day, it's easier to doctor a sick child than to make a new child, you know, or mm. to get a new child through adulthood. And that's the mm. thing, how people should see their businesses. Don't let it go. Do the work early enough.
1: So I think just working off the pride aspect, the biggest disadvantage that is perceived is reputation. Mm. People are very worried about the reputational repercussions, and that is most likely... Again, people came too late to the party and have given Business Rescue a bit of a bad name. If you do Business Rescue correctly, there's no reason why you should worry about your reputation. Because in fact, as a client or a customer of your creditor... You're guaranteeing them future business by living on. Mm.
0: So can a business rescue practitioner uh, cancel some of the contracts that, that that were in place just yes. to minimize cost and other things?
1: So he can cancel contracts, mm. but he has to go to court to do so. And he has to give the court just and reasonable grounds for canceling. That means he can't just, for instance, with employees cancel 100 employment contracts because he felt so he has to go to the court and say cancelling these 100 contracts will mean 300 other people mm. keep their job. Mm. And sometimes people forget through all these processes the court is still overseeing what's going on mm. and saving you in that way.
2: Adrian, before we let you go, anything else?
3: Yeah, I think the bottom line is people must... You know, be aware of the, the the value that Business Rescue can offer. Mm. Um, both as business owners, look at your own business, you know, actively look at where you're going. Get out of the trench a little bit, walk back up onto a hill, look over the battlefield, look for the risks, look for the opportunities um, and make sure you do what needs to be done early enough to, to secure your business, which is your livelihood at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. And that's from the side of, of a business owner, but from the affected persons, from the perspective of employees and creditors, you know, act on your rights. The, the act makes and, and does award you a number of rights that you can, um, enforce in a rescue scenario. Don't just sit back and let someone dictate to you. Partake because by partaking, you are, um, Guiding the practitioner to what will suit you and will suit in or fall in with your business and that will help the business that's in financial distress because no one in the economy has the luxury of just giving up clients. Every every client is important to you just as much as you are to to your suppliers.
2: Just give out your business details. Or your company?
3: Yeah, okay. So we're from a company called Business Rescue Exchange, and uh, you can email us Adrian at brexchange.co.za or Caitlin at caitlin at brexchange.co.za.
2: Very interesting discussion. Many thanks for this, lines Thank you very yeah. much, Yeah, yeah. No, It was quite interesting. Very thanks for, for having for us. Well, cool. Wonderful. Well, Thank our you listeners, so much. thanks for listening, and uh, until next Tuesday, lines.
0: Yeah, no, we'll have them again some other time.
2: <laughs> See you then. Yeah. Cheers.
1: Bye. Hey, that's Like you've never heard it before. The Laws of Life. With Gary Hertzberg on CliffCentral.com.
0: This is CliffCentral.com.